When I was a child, we attended an old church when visiting out-of-town relatives at least a couple of times a year. St. Agnes Church had a particularly gruesome and mesmerizing crucifix for a little boy. Nothing was left to the imagination about crucifixion, and I couldn't seem to keep my eyes off it, asking a million questions to my parents who would roll their eyes and whisper, Richard, can't we just pray? Jesus' body was heavily bruised and bloodied from his scourging, and he seemed to be having painfully heaving, gasping for air. His clearly defined muscles stretched upward, following the eyes that, led to, that gazed into the heavens. As we know in Scripture, he would soon whisper a heartbreaking prayer to the Father, words found only in Matthew and Mark's Gospel, My God, why have you forsaken me? But despite his great trauma and suffering, Jesus had enough clarity to tend to some last details of his pre-crucifixion life. In John's Gospel, Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved. He said to his, his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. The beloved disciple, of course, is St. John, the writer of the fourth gospel. So no wonder he has an inside track on some of the details and events of Jesus' life. The other gospels known as the synoptics lack. It's because John took Mary into his home. He cared for her and loved her as his mother. And so in my own mind, I imagine after dinner in the evenings, Lacking the distractions of modern technology, they sat together and enjoyed the company of the other in front of a crackling fire. Perhaps they reminisced about Jesus, her son, and his best friend, but he never quite was convinced that he deserved. One of the stories that is filled with unique Joanine details about the life of Christ is the story of Jesus' first recorded miracle in Cana of Galilee, at the behest of his mother. Only found in St. John's Gospel, I imagine Mary told the story over and over with joy and love in her heart, while John made mental notes that would eventually end up on papyrus parchment in the pages of the Gospel. It was about a wedding in Cana and Galilee. I presided over a wedding yesterday, incidentally, included a meal for the wedding party after the rehearsal, the ceremony, and a big party for the attendees after the wedding last night. I didn't go to that. The couple seemed exhausted, though, about the logistics of all of that. I would imagine biblical couples would roll their eyes at modern-day brides and grooms that whine about their wedding details, as customarily, wedding festivities lasted seven days in biblical times. Cry me a river, they would say. Imagine planning seven days' worth of menus of food and drink, and then gathering sufficient supplies. Mary is in attendance, and she likely assisted the family with all those meals, along with all the other women and some men in the town. Because Joseph is not mentioned here, not mentioned at the crucifixion either, when Jesus arranged for Mary's care, it's logical to conclude that he had died in that 18-year period between the finding of the Lord in the temple and the wedding feast of Cana. But something was, went terribly wrong for the couple in Cana. It would be utterly embarrassing 
So we'll say it was completely the groom's fault. Maybe he was cheap and didn't buy enough wine. Maybe he didn't, wasn't good at math and couldn't put it all together. Whatever the case, the glasses of wine would go empty and it would be a disaster for the couple. So we sense tension as we read the story in, Ga in Cana in Galilee and whispered tones about how to fix it and a huddled, uh, concerned group of, uh, of women in the area. In desperation, I hear someone saying that they needed a miracle to fix this mess. And suddenly, Mary stands tall, looks outside the huddle, and looks to her son. In that movement, she instructs us to look to her son instead of worrying all the time about the details of life. Mary and Jesus make eye contact, and Mary turned resolutely to him as a solution to the problem. Son, they have no wine. Woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come, he responds. Now, I don't know about you, but in a moment of stress, if I called my mother woman, it would not have been good. Probably hospitalization would occur. But if you recall, Jesus also called Mary woman when he arranged for her care as he hung on the cross. So Jesus calls Mary woman at the beginning and the end of his public ministry, which most likely harkens back to Genesis 3.15, to what sc scholars call the proto-evangelium, the first sign of our redemption when God says to the devil, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. <clears throat> I think it's worth saying that Jesus changed his mind because Mary asked. She's a very powerful intercessor for us. Perhaps Jesus had big plans for his debut as the Messiah and Lord, but out of love for Mary and this couple, he reconsiders. <clears throat> Mary doesn't beg or shouldn't badger. She doesn't say much at all, really, but turns to the waiters and speaks her last words recounted in the scriptures, do whatever he tells you. What sage advice. Stay focused. If you want things to work out in life, do whatever he tells you. If you're frazzled by all the events in the world today, do whatever he tells you. If you seem lost in life, just do whatever he tells you. The jars of water were filled, and Jesus blesses them in the presence of his mother. There's an indicator here about what is in store for us in the kingdom of God. Not only does the head waiter report that it is the best wine, it is also abundant wine. 180 gallons of wine. Holy smokes, now that's a party. So Jesus doesn't just get things back on track. He makes them so much better for the couple in Cana of Galilee as he does for us. <clears throat> to me anyway, the story includes a valuable lesson about the extent to which Jesus can and wants to make us happy in this life and in the next, down to the smallest of details. But that's only if it is in our best interest and will lead to our salvation. <clears throat> the head waiter noticed that the couple served an inferior wine first and saved the best for last. God, too, will save the best for last for his children 
when we stay on the path of discipleship. For heaven will be, will be so great that the spoken and word cannot even describe it. As St. Paul says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and what has not entered the human heart, what God has prepared for those who love him. So in the meantime, let us rely on the advice of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Cana and Galilee. Do whatever he tells you.